Thank you for joining us for this month's podcast. I'm still Beth Husted, but today we are diving into one of those, what I still consider, not me personally consider, but what can still be considered a quite a taboo subject, much like when we were talking about bereavement recently. Today, we're going to be talking about suicide and many people do still avoid this topic. But the truth is, we need to talk about it more. We see a lot more things on social media. There's a lot more people talking about mental health, mental wellness, but we really need to be putting a spotlight even more on this particular topic. And that is exactly why we've brought for this episode a great guesting, Paul Stevens. Paul is the director of the Chelmsford and Mid-Essex branch of the Samaritans. So, Paul, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, and it'd be great if we could just learn a little bit more about you. Well, thank you so much for having me, Beth. I appreciate the opportunity. Um, uh, yes, I am Paul. Uh, I am the director of the Chelmsford branch. I've been a Samaritan since 2005. Uh, I, I became director at Chelmsford in 2018 uh, and just finished my three years as director. I'm staying on for another year. Uh, they weren't able to find another volunteer to uh, step up to the role, so I'm doing one final year. Thank you so much. It's, I mean, I've we all hear a lot about the Samaritans and my mum actually is a volunteer within your branch, which I'm very lucky to have been able to tap into some mother daughter um, contacts. I have to say none of my other podcasts I've had to use such personal connections for. So <laughs> I don't know if it's professional or just luck, but I'm just so pleased that we were able to, to nab you. Um, and I imagine I'm not the only one. I imagine most listeners have heard about the Samaritans. Um, but until my mum started volunteering as a call handler in your branch, I actually didn't know what exactly you guys do. Um, so instead of me explaining, it would be great if you could actually tell us what the Samaritans is all about and, and even what you as an individual might expect if you called in. Sure. Um... I can put it into one word what the Samaritans do. We listen. I knew you were going to say that. Listen is the big word. Listening is the big word. Um, yeah. there, are, there are a few absolute no-nos to being a Samaritan. Uh, one is that Samaritans never give advice, uh, yeah. at least when on the phone to a caller. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we we uh, don't judge. So if people call and tell us things, uh, we are trained uh, to uh, listen and not respond in any sense that could be considered to be, um, uh, should we say, discriminatory in terms of taking a view about what someone said to us. Mm. Um, and we uh, don't self-disclose. So we don't tell our callers anything about ourselves, which sometimes is hard, uh, particularly if you feel you need to build empathy with the caller and you find a common topic. So um, being a Samaritan is about listening to people it's not judging, not giving advice, et cetera. And um, the sort of calls that we get can range across the entire spectrum of human experience. Um, people tend to think of Samaritans as a suicide line. Yeah. Um, and that's not untrue, but it's not the whole story. So yes, people call us when they are desperate and when they are close to uh, considering harming themselves in a final way. Uh, they also call us um, when they're actually in the act of suicide. So that's called a suicide in progress call. Uh, we don't get many of those, but every Samaritan volunteer will get them at some point in their career as a Samaritan. Mm. Um, uh, and they are obviously difficult calls. Uh, <laughs> clearly, they're not the sort of calls that one wants to receive, but that's, that's one of the primary reasons for being there. 
but they're not alone and they're not necessarily the hardest calls. We also take calls from people who are not suicidal, but are in enormous despair. Their, their situation, their life situation, the way they feel about that could be absolutely distressing for them. Uh, and so whether it's a seemingly simple thing or a seemingly complex thing, our job as Samaritan volunteers is to listen and to let the person talk and to try and build that empathy with them so that they free, feel they can talk freely. It's it, what you say about the listen is just such a big, big piece. And we are constantly solutionizing. What can we provide you with? What can we help you overcome? You've got to complete this task in order to reach this goal. And so it's it's so opposite in what we do, yes. but makes so much sense. Like it's it's absolutely essential and vital because you need both points, don't you? You need somebody to be listening and there and just not judging you. And you can just pour out everything that you're feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other side of it is is that kind of, yeah, it, it, it just sits so funny with me because I'm kind of talking to people going, right, well, you need to get up and get on, go and do this and go and book this appointment. And you guys have to just hear what these individuals saying. And it fascinates me, but also just there's such a need. Um, and I, uh, it's, listening that word listen is just so important um and i think that's the really big reason about why you you guys are needed so much because people don't often get the chance to just talk freely do they no you see one of the most critical things about the samaritans uh, in terms of why it's lasted so long why so many people call us is because we are strangers to the people that call Mm. So when someone calls, you don't know who they are. And there's a very, very small chance that you'll ever speak to them again, even if they called every day. You know, there are thousands of Samaritan volunteers um, across the country. Uh, The number they call routes to the next available volunteer. So it could be in the Orkneys or in Truro. Mm. Uh, And so and so the person that calls is talking to a stranger. That stranger is not vested in anything other than listening and being empathetic. That stranger doesn't feel part of the problem. That stranger doesn't feel responsible for finding a solution. Uh, that strange, you know, and a good call for us is not a call where the caller ends it saying, right, I know what I'm going to do. Yes, I've got a plan. I'm going to do X, Y, Z. That's great to hear. But a good caller is when the caller leaves saying, thank you. I felt that I was able to talk about this. Because that's hard. Because when we talk to our partners, our families, our friends, our work colleagues, we are there's an expectation Mm. and that expectation is that we will not only listen but we'll come back with something and that expectation is upon us as the listener as well as the person to some extent the person speaking but often what's required is just I want to exhale this I want to get this off my chest that's why this thing the Samaritans has lasted as long as it has it's fun fantastic what you mentioned the word distress which is a big word that we use a lot within the work that we do because I think it there's a difference between diagnosed individuals with diagnosis etc and it really it's not about any of that it's about that person at that time is experiencing distress and you know can you elaborate a little bit more on what that might be you know what is it that what is that distress that those people are experiencing uh, it could it well we, we, the distress and despair tend to be the the two words despair uh, yeah that we 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 sort of lump together and and uh, when someone says well what do you provide uh yes we provide listening but for what purpose um emotional support is a phrase that's often used and what does that mean what it means something that's causing your feelings to be lower than they should be um 
Now, obviously that's subjective, um, but there's a classic case of, you know, the way we feel about things can vary from person to person and from situation to situation. Uh, so when someone phones up, the distress and despair could come from any number of things, some of which are entirely practical and tangible. So someone can phone up and say, I have an, I have an abuse problem. I am dependent upon alcohol, for example, mm. or I'm in debt or, you know, I've fallen out with my partner or child or whatever and haven't spoken in X months, years, whatever. Yeah, it could be yeah. things that sound quite soluble in the sense, okay, I could understand why you, this distresses you, I could understand why, and it's not beyond the wit of us to figure out how you might, you know, cope with that. On the other hand, people sometimes phone up and they just say, I'm just anxious, I'm just worried. And you say, about what? And they say, I don't know. I just don't feel right. And other people have some combination of that. Well, I've, you know, I'm worried about this. I don't know why I'm worried about this, but I do know I've got, you know, this problem on my on my plate, and I, I have no one to help me with that. And how do I solve this? So that so when we when we we log every call, um, we don't know who we've spoken to. Uh, we don't see their number, and and if they give us a name, it might not be their real name. Um, but when we log that call, that contact, or, or answer that email. Um, we actually tick, tick boxes that say, this is what the caller was telling us. We don't diagnose it. We don't say, well, this sounds like this person was depressed. If this person says, I am depressed, I have been diagnosed with depression, we say, fine, take it at face value. If they say, you know, I've suffered from abuse, fine, that's what it is. And so, you know, that list of boxes uh, is probably approaching 20 in terms of the things people, you know, that we capture. You know, there was one put on in the last 15 months, which was COVID. So if someone phones up and talks yeah. about COVID as a cause of their distress and despair, we tick it. So it's wide, it's diverse, it's tangible, it's intangible. Uh, it can be multiple things. It can be things you can understand. It can be some things you take the call and you think, I really don't know what's what's eating at this person, but something is. Distress, despair. The, the, I've used the word distress before, that, but the, the despair one is a, it's, it's such a key one, isn't it? I'm, I've learned already so many different things. That, that key bit you said about we're not just a suicide helpline, and I think that's a really good myth to dispel because people might not think that they can call if that's the kind of idea of what the Samaritans is I can only call them when I'm at the absolute breaking point but in actual fact you can call them when you are in distress and despair you do not need to get to that lowest lowest point where you think you can't continue and I hope just us saying that today has made a difference with people's awareness because you know I've worked in the industry a really long time and you still have that almost um myth that belief isn't it that's what that's what you call the samaritans for at that point but you absolutely don't you can bring it way way forward it's almost like looking after yourself you you make an extremely important point and i think you you put your finger on something that's that's worth underlining because um i i have no academic experience in the field of suicide so this is but this is just a sense from what i've got listening to callers what i've got from listening to other volunteers talk about the callers what all the years that we've been around has taught us, which is it's not a switch. It doesn't go from I'm okay to I'm suicidal. No. It's it's an it's a process, and it's a, a we. The way I think about it, it, it's an escalator. 
it's an escalator going from and it's a downward escalator it moves down from a higher floor to a lower floor and in some ways it's like going down to the basement and and the reason that the, the, the samaritans have, have worked very hard to emphasize the fact that you can call us with anything um uh, and it doesn't have to be that i'm at that point of suicide is because it's it's the intervention of talking along the way that's what stops many people from actually reaching the point of suicide okay. you know, we're taught not to talk people out of suicide we're taught not to to try and persuade people there's another way there's a better way there are still up options we one of the other ten, tenants of the samaritans is self-determination so if somebody and and there are there's a blurring around safeguarding and so forth we'll put that to one side because it's an exception but generally speaking if someone an adult calls us and they're cognitively capable uh, they can understand information they can relate information they can basically hold a, a conversation then we judge that they're competent and they're not a safeguarding risk in that case if they tell us i'm actually going to kill myself in fact, I've got the pills right here or whatever the means is, and I'm going to do it. Having explored with them to the extent they want to, why they feel this way, what options they've looked at, what possibilities there may be, and, and being aware that we need to never be seen as in some way an associate of the act of suicide, an assistant in some sense, that's not why we're there, but, but recognising they are a sentient person who has the right to determine how they live their life. Mm. Our job after after working through that process of listening to them and asking some questions, which could take five minutes because they could make it very clear. I've done this. Thanks. I've spoken to you many times. I'm, I'm, I'm sure I know where I am. Or it could take more than an hour or so. But when they're at the pro point where they say we want to do it, that's when the, the respect for self-determination kicks in. But until the point they get there, there's still a chance. So if they phone us within the first couple, you know, what a period, it's a short period of time when the distress and despair starts, who's to say that that, that intervention won't actually stop them going any further on that downward escalator? Absolutely. And I think that's the biggest thing that we always try and highlight, um, just even within businesses, is it's no good having like a poster up to say called an employee assistance programme that's not good enough. You need to be making that culture of openness so that people feel like they can have those conversations. They um, are able to ask their line manager what resources are available. So it's not just all pushed under the carpet and you just sneakily like look at a number and call it if you're really, really at that breaking point. And so, yeah, I'm just... The, 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 you can often make a massive difference by um, reaching out sooner rather than later and, and helping like look after yourself in, in general. So what I am now thinking is, you know, we know what it feels like to call you guys. We know why people can call you guys. We know the vast array of reasons that people call um, and email, isn't it? Is it joe at samaritans.org? And, and there's also instant messaging now, which is... Um, which many branches are doing. Ours doesn't yet, but but that's where effectively, uh, it sounds a kind of weird way to describe it. You have an online chat session between yeah. a volunteer and a caller. So I remember when I first saw that email address, I needed to make sure I double check because obviously it's it's Joe at Samaritan's J O, not J O E, mm -hmm. and it's meant it's it's obviously there to make it more personal and and interview. You know, like your interview 
I wanted to make sure we hadn't randomly got someone's email address and we were going to be bombarding them with all the I was like have we got if we bypass like some some actual entry point but yeah. it's, a, it's a much more appealing uh, email like then going help me at some mountains or something you know it oh, makes yeah. much more sense so it's, yeah. it's there's loads yeah. of ways to contact so you can get yes. in contact and help you know start on uh, you know stopping that escalator even you don't necessarily go back up it but you're just sort of yeah. slowing down that downward journey but what can we be doing as individuals you know how could I help my friend or my colleague or my family member I mean obviously we can recommend they call or email or, or go on the instant messenger um, most people I feel most people want to help <laughs> someone but they're worried or they think that they're they're going to get it wrong so we could all do one small thing differently, potentially, when we have a friend or a family member or a colleague that you can see is struggling. What would you suggest? We're not Samaritans. We're not trained like you guys, but there must be something that we could maybe just try ourselves. Absolutely. Um, and, and I think that's another uh, great point to make uh, so that people listening to this can, can take something away. Because um, whilst our training is intensive and it typically takes upwards of a year to become a fully trained Samaritan, um and 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 uh, completely signed off as a as a full samaritan uh, you can you, you can do the things that we're shown and taught to do within 30 seconds and because they're simple active listening in other words truly listening to somebody you know the classic case that goes on and and it happens in all walks of life it happens in the workplace it happens outside people listen simply as a way of politeness and to give themselves the space to think about what they're going to say in reply. You listen to reply rather exactly. than listening to hear. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is not something that the Samaritans talk about in these terms. This is something I learned somewhere else, but it's exactly the same. Uh, there's, a, there's an exercise you can do called listening rounds, which trains you very quickly to understand quite how initially hard it is to do that, but ultimately how easy it is to do that. But active listening is the first thing. So really listen and really pay attention to what's being said. Don't use that as the time to think about what your next question is going to be. Yes, process the information. And sometimes that information can be complicated. You know, following the trail of someone's uh, language can sometimes be difficult. But use that time to let the person know that you're listening to them. And the next thing that you say needs to fit. So a question that follows needs to be relevant. It needs to progress as opposed to leaping off at a tangent. The use of techniques like reflection. So it sounds to me like the, what you're experiencing is. Um, the use of simple, not words, but sounds. So, mm -hmm, uh-huh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, I get it. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm, that sort of thing. And, and I think ultimately, the partner of the active listening, when you do speak, it has to be in a way, apart from letting the person know that you've been listening, it has to build towards showing that you have empathy with them. So the answer, oh dear, that sounds terrible, poor you, is sympathy. The answer, that sounds like it was very tough for me, for you, would you like to tell me some more, is empathy. So we're taught to empathize, not sympathize. Big difference. Huge difference. And it's actually something that most people don't. It's because that's what part of the training builds in you. Because most people say, well, I can't, what difference there is that? 
But when you think about it, when you break it down, it is big. So there's the active listening, there's the use of empathy, there's the use of open questions. How did that make you feel? What happened next? Where, you know, where did this lead to? And then completely avoiding solutioning. Easier said than done, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> Everyone spends their life thinking of their next answer or thinking of the next question yeah. and finding a solution. And I don't mean to generalise with gentlemen, but men's men always think that they have to have an answer. I've got to fix this. Okay. Um, Absolutely. Um, you know, that's, not, that's... Obviously, women can too, but I just I, there's always like is it is the difference between going to a, but it sounds really general. You go to a mum. And the mum will listen and hug and, you know, empathise and, and sit and maybe cry with you. And the dad will go, right, well, how are we going to get through this? Yes. How are we going to fix it? Yes. Very, very different directions. And sometimes you need a little bit of both. Um, but, yeah. yeah. But the, the one that should come first is the empathising and listening. Yeah. And, and yes, and it's it's hard. And it's uh, and you're absolutely correct. Uh, for whatever reason, I don't think it's wrong to say it's inappropriate to say, yes, it tends to be a male trait. Uh, although <laughs> I've heard plenty of people who, yeah 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 so but nonetheless uh, you know all of us can in the spirit of wanting to be helpful wanting to be kind feeling that well you'll be better if after telling me this I can help you solve it or get towards a solution you'll be better and actually I'll feel better because I'll <laughs> think the purpose of this was not I mean I just sat there and listened what the hell did I do oh I was able to come up with a solution or you know push you in the right direction so so again it's kind of losing the ego as a as a volunteer and as your question was what can any of us do as anybody the hardest thing is saying my my ego in terms of what do I get from this conversation is minimal my my ego is put to one side now I do get something from it because if I've listened actively I've asked good open questions I've empathized and I haven't jumped in with a solution I would have done something useful that will have been helpful. And even if the conversation ends with the person who came to me still crying, still miserable, still saying they feel terrible, the chances are very high that they will, for a short period, have benefited from doing it. That's what you get out of it. That's I what... Is there a, sorry, I was jumping in because I was listening actively because I was really excited <laughs> about what you were saying. And my thought was, is there, is it, and this is just as a novice, is there a, a, a kind of opportunity to actually ask that person and say, I'm more than happy to just, I want to just listen to everything you've got to say. Do you want me to be giving you any solutions here or can I just be, do you just want me to listen? Because sometimes you do go for someone for advice, don't you? Or other times mm -hmm. you might be going, mm -hmm. and is it good to lay your cards on the table and just say, I'm more than happy to just listen to everything you've got to say. Do you want me to give you any advice or do you just want me to be listening here? Because there's two very different ways of hearing someone isn't there and that that would be okay as well I, I i absolutely believe it is i mean we get callers who who say well i know you're not supposed to give advice but i really <laughs> need some advice and you know that there are people that you know maybe it's their natural personality or it's the point they've reached with this particular problem or problems they actually do they're looking for a solution yeah um so it's not that it's bad to offer a solution it's not like well never offer a solution. we don't although when you become more experienced as Samaritan, you realise there are ways to ask questions. Yeah. And open ideas. And, and so I think, to answer your question specifically, before I go any further, yes, I think it's a great idea to say, 
I'm more than happy to listen. And, and if you like, let's start, I will just listen. Yeah. And then as the conversation flows, if the verbal cues come, say, you know what, I also got a few ideas. Are you interested in those? Good. Yeah, good way of doing it. I like that. So, so when I was, so when I, uh, I've been trained twice, maybe because some would say because I wasn't good enough the first time, but I say it was because <laughs> I left and came back. Um, the, the, the mentor that I had, um, uh, who was a very experienced Samaritan, she had a, a sort of a mental model for what we did. And she said, when we, when we, when a caller comes on and we answer the phone, or when they turn up in the branch for a face-to-face -face meeting, whatever, it doesn't matter, when we meet this person, what we do is we walk down an imaginary corridor. It's a long corridor on either side there are the rooms and each room has got a door and all some of the doors are ajar and some of them are shut. And on those doors there are there are words like family, like dependency, like job. And, and they're all essentially the aspects and, and parts of our lives. And our job as Samaritans is to walk down that corridor next to the caller and say, well, this door says family. Would you like to see what's inside that? Mm -hmm. And if their answer is no, and obviously you don't go through it in this slightly <laughs> sister, systematic way of, cold way of going family, job, whatever. But as the conversation unfolds, you say, well, what do you think might be in here? Would you like to look inside this? Yeah. And if they say yes, you go inside the room and you go inside this mental room and ask more questions. And it's sometimes... You know, you speak to someone, a good example would be a physical health issue. And you might say, oh, what experience have you had of talking to your GP? Never spoken, don't like them, oh, didn't think of that. Oh, how would it feel to call your GP and make, a, make an appointment, do you think? Now, that's not a giving advice. That's asking an open question. It's asking the person, hey, there's a room here. Would you like to go in and explore it? And how would that fit with you? And that's that's perfectly fine. And that's good. You know, we we stick to that because we don't give advice and therefore to be a more explicit would be the wrong thing. But if you're dealing with a, a friend, a work colleague, a parent, a child, whatever, being able and you're not in following the Samaritan rules, then asking questions like that as a bridge to more explicit advice. What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. And I think as well, sometimes when you're talking to someone, you do just come up with your own answers. My team always take the mickey right. out of me just because I ring them to run through. I'm like, oh, I've got, I can't work out what I've got to do. I've got all of this stuff going on. And then as I'm talking, I'm like, OK, so I've literally just answered my own questions exactly. because now I've verbalised. It all sounds like a, and this isn't anything kind of distress or despair wise. This is just general work and everything in my <laughs> mind seems so confusing. And then I ring and go, I've got to talk this project through with you. It makes no sense. Oh, Oh, no, it does make sense now. So I've got that. <laughs> it was in my head before. So I think that's fantastic. And the other thing that I think is really important is that bit about don't be afraid, like that courage bit, have courage to actually you do see someone is struggling or they've said something to you that you could probably just ignore, you know, saying that they're struggling or saying that they've had a, a bad few nights because they haven't been sleeping because they're stressed or something. And you can just it is so easy to just rub like brush past it and rub over it because you don't want to address it because it's not feel comfortable or you feel scared or worried or that you're going to make it worse or actually like you say having that conversation could really make a massive difference to that person and just allowing them to be able to to offload slightly um so don't be afraid you're not going to make it worse you're only going to support no no you, you, yeah you're absolutely correct i mean 
it, it's <laughs> it, it's 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 it feels like well, there's something under there. You know, there's a there's a there's a there's a rug over something that's glowing green and sort of throbbing. What the hell's that? Yeah. You know, do you lift it back? Do you pull it back? Do you just walk past? Yeah. You know, and 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 as human beings, uh, most of us at most of the time will say, "I think I'll walk past it." So you're right. It, there's a certain type of courage. And it, it's because it's uncomfortable. It's because it is ugly and green and glowing and, and what the hell's going on. I mean, uh, the, the, <laughs> I was, it stuck with me, the, the, the training as it was back in, in the you know, 15, whatever years ago, um, did include uh, uh, an audio clip. And it said, this is the typical conversation that goes on. You know, two friends go down the pub for a drink and they're two guys. And one says, so how have you been, Steve? And Steve goes, well... Well, all right. And the other one goes, well, what's wrong then, Steve? Well, I've got this, uh, I don't know, maybe it's a lump or not. And the other one goes, you need to go and say a doctor. Fancy a pint. And it was that sort of thing. It was basically, this guy's trying to open up about something. It's worrying him. It's possibly something very serious. The other guy cares, but oh, he doesn't want to hear that perhaps this guy's got something very unpleasant. So yeah. let's brush over that. Let's get back and we'll buy a pint and talk about sport or whatever, because that's easier. Conversely, what? now you've got the Ask Twice initiative. The, the big the big initiative, I don't know if, if you've seen, well, you yeah. must have done all the campaigns. For anyone that's listening, it's that there's actually probably the same two people, same name, same everything, and the guy's underneath a log and his mate goes, are you all right? And he's going, yeah, I'm absolutely fine. He's like, are you, are you sure you're all right? You're trapped under <laughs> yes. a log right oh, now. Yeah. Like, let's help you. Let's talk about this. And um, and that's the whole point, isn't it? That people will often say, I'm fine, when they don't mean they're fine. And we often ask, are you all right? And we don't want to know the answer to, are you all right? So we need to get rid of these niceties. If you think there's a problem with someone, don't be afraid to ask. And then when you do ask, actually bloody listen yes. to what they're saying um yes. and if anyone's interested in what those kind of initiatives are you've got the ask twice in initiative and there's a lot on the samaritans webpage on active listening and it's specifically there's a thing called the shush model which is um about having the courage saying it back uh like literally how you know hearing them and, and making those that kind of making sure that you are listening it's a kind of a a, a, a list an, an active listening acronym so those are two initiatives that you might want to go and have a look at kind of separate from this session which kind of underpin everything that that paul's been talking about um i mean are there any other acronyms that we need to think of or know about or any other initiatives <laughs> that fit because i feel like those two are probably quite key but there might be more that yes. i don't know of um, but are there any more in an acronyms are there anything else that we could be doing differently well the, there's the the one of the things that 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 has always uh, struck me as extremely useful and not just for when ones are having these sorts of conversations you can use that in general life you can use yeah. it in in the workplace at the home whatever and that's the listening wheel uh, so if you go and google listening or search engine whichever one listening wheel uh, it's possibly even on the on, on the on the main samaritans website i don't remember but uh, uh where we volunteer in our ops room every desk has got a little listening wheel picture in front of the volunteer uh, to remind them uh, and i won't tell you any more than that go and search for it oh a little teaser <laughs> yeah yeah you've had enough of my voice so i'm gonna leave it hanging out there i like that um a little bit of a teaser so 
So just the, the, to, to recap, uh, things that I think have been really key, poignant points to take away from today is that the Samaritans are not just there, you know, they're not a suicide helpline. They are there to support you with that vast array of, you know, life's difficulties when you're feeling in distress or despair, giving you that emotional support via the helpline, the instant messenger, the email um, and, you know, things that are causing you to feel lower than you should be. That is, it is there and it is a resource that, like you say, that's been around for a really long time and thousands of people use it daily, weekly. It's it's just a, a beneficial thing. And the, the biggest tool that you guys have as Samaritans is listening, but the biggest tool that we also have at our fingertips as non-Samaritans, is the same thing. We all have the ability to reach out, to listen. Um, and the things that you were talking about, key active listening things was don't only listen to reply. Make sure that you have patience. You use those open, question, open questions. Really listen. Reflect. Don't be afraid of silence. I think that's a really big one, isn't it? Because we often yes. feel really uncomfortable as humans that there's a silence in a conversation. But there can be silences in these conversations. One, because if an individual is trying to articulate an emotion that is uncomfortable, distressful, sad for them, it's not easy to rush through a, you know, a huge of words to describe that. So they might take time. You, on the other hand, also, if you are really listening and then are going to respond to what they've said rather than responding to what you've already been thinking about while they're talking, you will need time to articulate what you're saying. So don't feel uncomfortable with those silences in order to have those really mm -hmm. good conversations. Yes. And that, to me, is a is a summary of the things that I just think are really key and important for us to be taken away from today. But Paul, I would love to hear anything else that you think would be beneficial to, to share as a, as a parting. You, you've, you've done an excellent job, Beth, at summing it up. I, I, I want to add one more thing, which is that the helpline is 116123. Um, and you mentioned Joe at Samaritans.org. Uh, I'm going to be embarrassed and say, I actually don't know how you initiate this messaging chat session. <laughs> It'll say on the web page. Probably on the website. Yeah. On the website. Um, but, but the point being is that if you feel that it would help you to talk to someone in the ways that, who will listen and react in the ways that we've been chatting about, then pick up the phone and call. You can call and if you feel uncomfortable within, you don't even want to, having called, you don't even want to speak, put the phone down. It's fine. If you want to speak for five minutes, that's fine. The person that's at the other end of volunteer will listen to you for as long as that call is important. And call. Don't not call because it can make a big difference. Really can. And it's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There's no out of hours times. Nope, there is not. I mean, not every branch is 24-7. Uh, ours isn't. Um, some are, but... Um, uh, the service runs 24-7. Uh, it is true that sometimes at the day and night, you have to wait a little bit longer because just the number of calls and the number of volunteers doesn't balance out. But but someone will pick up your call. They don't get dropped and they don't get ignored. And someone will reply to your email, same thing. So um, yeah, 24 seven, there's someone there and they will, they'll respond in the, in the way I've described. 
listening. Thank you so much, Paul. It's just been so insightful and so brilliant to have you on as a guest for this podcast. And thank you, everyone, for listening. And we'll catch you again for the next one. Thank you, Beth.